0: Romans chapter 14. Romans 14. We're down here in verse number 10, so let's just read the verses and then get into it here. Romans 14. But why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not, therefore, judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Now, that's the section we're in. Uh, We're going to be here for a little bit. The whole context of Romans 14, down into chapter 15, verse 7, is the weaker brother, stronger brother, that relationship. Okay. Actually, it should be weaker believer and stronger believer because there's male and, you know, there's men and women involved in this, okay? But uh, it's an issue here that Paul, for the very first time, introduces the subject of the judgment seat of Christ. And he does it uh, here, and it's something that we need to be very aware of, we need to understand. So we're going to spend this week, next week, and next week uh, looking at the issue of the judgment seat of Christ, and another week if we need that, because it is something that is very vital. It's very critical in our understanding. One to understand why he says this here in Romans 14, but then and which we've already looked at about two weeks ago, the reason that he brings this up here in Romans 14 is the only is really verse 13. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this, rather that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. Verse 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? You have no right to stand and sit in judgment of the weaker. You can't, we can't accelerate their edification process. That's what we've already seen in Romans 14. You have no rights to stand there. And try to hold them to your spiritual maturity. You know I, I love that verse in Corinthians where Paul says, "Knowledge puffeth up, but charity what? edifies. We can all have, we all have a lot of head knowledge, but moving that head knowledge into the heart and then the heart out into the activity is a little different. So he says there in verse nine, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord, both of the dead and the living. And again, the only one that can rightly sit in judgment of humanity, of all humanity, is the Lord Jesus Christ. And we looked at that. So as we're looking at the judgment seat of Christ, in Romans 14, which is where we're at in our study here, the goal here isn't to give a lot of details about the judgment seat. It's rather to stop the stronger brother or believer from dictating to the weaker where they ought to be. That's why in 14, there, verse 5, at the end of that verse, that last sentence, let every one of you be fully persuaded in his own mind. I can't accelerate your edification, you can't accelerate mine. I can keep things in front of you, which is my job as as pastor-teacher. And it's your job to take it and grow and be a helper of your joy and so forth. So as we look at the judgment seat of Christ coming out of Romans 14, we're going to stand before the Lord. That's a given. You may not like it. You may try to argue against it and say, no, we're not, and come up with something. But 14.10 says what? We're all going to stand, for we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ, verse 12, so then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. You're, this is going to happen. So what then happens then is, is believers get all upset about it, and they get worried about it, and they have great anxiety over it, and they got fear on it, and then you get some weird ideas about things, and theology preached about it, and all this stuff. And in reality, when you come into Scripture and you just relax and study, that's why study to show thyself, and just study it out, you really begin to see that it's actually going to be a wonderful time of rejoicing, and it's going to be a wonderful time, not of a review of your life, and, or sins, or any of that, Calvary covered the sin issue, so this has nothing to do with that. So th- this event is a critical part of the dispensation of grace, it's a critical part of The church, the body of Christ. So, therefore, it's critical for us to understand it and to understand it with as much clarity as we can. What we don't know, we'll learn and grow with it. Now, there are three major passages uh, with major details about the judgment seat of Christ. There are also other lesser passages in that they don't contain a lot of detail, but that yet they give us insight into that day as well. So the three major Romans 10, I'm sorry Romans 14, 10 to 13 here obviously. This is a major thing. Major details here. First time we're learning about there's going to be a judgment seat. Christ is going to be the one sitting on it and we're all appearing before it. We're all going to stand there. Then come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Second major is 1 Corinthians 3. Now, this morning I'm I'm hoping to accomplish a couple things with you. And when it's time to quit, we're just gonna quit and we're just gonna pick right back up where we quit. Okay, I got my pen in my pocket, we're gonna mark it and we're gonna keep going. All right? And if I get done, then wonderful. But if I don't, because I want you to understand the flow of this. First Corinthians three, start in verse nine for we are labors together with God. Year God's husbandry, year God's building. According to the grace of God which is given unto me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Stop there real quick. Notice we're talking about labor. We're talking about a work, a master plan, a building. Verse 12. Now, if any man build upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble, those six items you will build on your foundation. Okay? Now, we'll look at what they are, and we'll identify those out for you, and so forth. Uh, The wisdom, understanding, and knowledge, and then the human viewpoint, human religion, and so forth, and we'll, we'll, we'll dive into those. If I don't, somebody raise your hand and say, hey, you said, and we'll do it, okay? Because the thing is, is, what am I built? See, everybody's worried about the judgment seat as a review of my life and my iniquities and my transgressions and my sins. No, it's not. If that's what the judgment seat is, then Calvary didn't do its job. And then why are you even there? Because the judgment seat, we're going to see it in a minute, it's just going to be believers only. Okay, we're in. The, we're members only, an exclusive club. Remember the jacket, members only. Yeah, I had one for about two minutes, and then it didn't fit anymore. So, that's what happens. Keep reading, verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest. And by the way, work singular, not works plural. That's why down he's going to say reward singular, not plural. It's a crazy idea that you got to all your works. No, this isn't. There's a specific work here. Keep reading. I jumped ahead of myself. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire." Notice something very carefully in verse 13. Verse 13. Every man's work. So the work is singular. It's not a plural thing here. It's something very, it's 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 very specific. But what's going to happen? The day it's going to be made manifest. And that's going to be critical here. There's some things that are going to happen. We got to work. We got to labor, right? And we're going to have, it, it's going to be manifest, okay? For the day, we'll talk about that in just a second here. For the day shall, what? Declare it. There's going to be a declaration. We're going to have a declare. Declare it. and Because it uh, shall be revealed. See? Now this is R E. Somebody just spelled it for me. R E V. That's what I missed. Revealed, okay? So there's there's a, this event is going. I'm in 1 Corinthians 3. Okay? <clears throat> so there's some things that are going to be revealed. Now, the work, the work is a specific issue, and if you notice back up there in verse 10, Paul says, "I'm the master builder, I've laid the foundation." right? What's, who's the foundation? Jesus Christ, but how? The preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, okay? Romans 16, 25, and 26. But in Romans 16, 25, and 26, what do we learn? We're not there yet in our Roman study. We learn the edification process, don't we? So this work is the work of the issue of edification, that's the, that's the work. The work isn't out saving souls. How many souls did you save today? It isn't, the work is that work of edification. The, the, there's nothing to do with sins and iniquities and transgressions, nothing to do with who you are in Adam, because when you stand there, you're not standing there as someone in Adam any longer. Okay. Rather, he's, you're standing there as a member of the church, the body of Christ, in your new body, and you're standing there, and he's going to review that work of edification. All right? Now, we're going to build in on all this. I'm, this is all intro to the next three weeks. Okay? All right? But you've got to understand that when we go through this, we're not talking about how, many t- how often did you go to church? You know there's not a verse that says go to church. There isn't. Now, there's some verses for Israel, but not for you and I. But rather, what, it, what are we to do? We're to gather together. Okay, there are verses. Paul's got a lot of those verses. All right? And when we come together, we have outlines and, and order and structure to do. So then when you come here, come over to 2 Corinthians 5. Here's the next major passage on the judgment seat of Christ. So first Major, Romans 14, 10 to uh, 13. Second major, 1 Corinthians 3, 9 to 15. And now the second one, or the third one here is 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 9. Wherefore we labor, again, see that labor? Labor how? Labor in that edification process. Whether present or absent, we may be accepted of Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, there is actually the term. By the way, in 1 Corinthians 3, the term judgment seat of Christ isn't given, but that issue, you remember? The day? That that phrase, the day? The day? This day? That day? This time? That time? Again, context is king, talking what's going on here. Verse 10, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done, notice, in his body. Not by his body, not with his body, but where? In. Who's in you? That's that inner man. That's that realm of the inner man. What are you building into the inner man? According to that he hath done, whether it be good or Bad. What would be good? Gold, silver, and precious stones. Wisdom, understanding, and knowledge. What would be bad? Wood, hay, and stubble. Human viewpoint, human effort, human religion, that vain religious system. Okay? Now, again, you're building both. Okay? Just which one are you building the more of? All right? That's kind of, what are you doing? Now, I know what happens. People, oh, well, that's just, you're just telling people to be prideful. Yeah, well, the fire will take care of pride. Because that's a wood, hay, and stubble event. So if that's what you're doing, the day will reveal that. It will manifest it. It'll declare it. It's going to bring to light the hidden things of darkness. The verse says. So the judgment seat. So first of all, the judgment seat is an event when the belief, when every believer of the dispensation of grace will stand. By the way, in verse five, verse ten. We must all appear before, appear and stand interchangeable, okay? We're all going to stand before the Lord in our labor, our work, singular. Always remember, it's not works, it's work. Now, if you've ever, if you work a job, you know your job has different pieces to that work, but you say what i work at i don't works at i work at when i was doing the bus yard i work at the bus yard you know and then have to tell you which one because i worked at like eight of them <laughs> just could never find the fit you know i found my fit but anyway work so first There's this issue of that judgment seat is an event where all the believers of the dispensation of grace, the totality of it, from the Apostle Paul, first one in, all the way to the last one in. And our work and our labor is what is revealed, manifest. Okay? Now, let's move to a lesser passage, but lesser only in that it does not really contain... A lot of details about, but it helps give some light on this event. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. Because in understanding the judgment seat of Christ, we need to understand the timing of it. Remember last week when we looked at those seven major judgments? All right? And again, you can say just three majors if you want, you know, cross. Uh, the Judgment Seat of Christ, and then the Great White Throne Judgment. You can say however you want. Those, I like seven majors because there's more going on than just the three, but that's just me. You do what you do. And we looked at the Great White Throne Judgment. We looked at that judgment before the Millennial Kingdom, and we looked at Calvary and so forth. And it was a timing, each at his own timing and his own time. Well, there's a timing here that we need to understand as well. And, and again, let me just, a lesser, and not in that it's not in a, as important, because 1 Thessalonians 4 is very important in our understanding, because when the trump blows, you're not going to be able to say, hang on a minute, where's that YouTube? You know, you're know, you not going to be able to say that. You're to know this in your inner man. You know, I don't know if you've ever thought about when the Lord blows the trump. How would you know he blew the trump? How would you know it's the right trumpet sound? Well, your inner man knows that. Why? Because you have him, and he knows that noise. So you come to 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to look at a couple of the lessers this morning just to, again, get get the study started. Verse 15. For this we say unto you by the what? Word of the Lord. This has never been exposed before. This information is, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 says, Behold, I show you a mystery. Say that? This information is not found in the Old Testament. It's not found in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's not found in the Hebrew epistles, in the book of Revelation. This is something that was given to who? The Apostle Paul and him and the church, the body of Christ. That we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. So here we are. Let's just think about this. Here we are. We're on life's narrow way, as the song likes to say. And then all of a sudden, verse 16 happens. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, of the archangel, with the trump of God. Uh Uh-oh. We have, think about, reach up there. Here's the Lord, third heaven. He's going to open that hidden door in heaven that's been barred shut, that nobody can come through. And he's going to step out into the second heaven. Okay? And what's going to happen? There's going to be a shout, right? There's going to be a voice of the archangel, and there's going to be a trump of God. Now let's think about that. The shout in Scripture all through. The shout is a shout of victory. We've won the victory. The shout says the dispensation of grace is over. It's concluded. The voice of the archangel. Michael is the archangel. Daniel 12, he's the prince of Israel. You know what he said? The voice. He's going to speak. And he says, it's time for Israel to be exalted. It's time for Israel's program to come to a conclusion. It's time for Daniel to be right. It's time for revelation to happen. There's a speech here. Why? The dispensation of grace is over. Whoops, I'm again. Okay. Israel's back in, but then there's a Trump. Well, trumpets in scripture, and again, this is we run all the verses. The trumpets in scripture make two sounds. One is to gather the assembly, whether it's the men of war to go to war or the camp to pack up and move out. They blow it, you come together, and then the second blow is moving on out. It's time to move out. So you have two trumps. Now, come over to 1 Corinthians. Actually, before you do, look, at, look, look there at, 14, at, at 1 Thessalonians 4, 16. And the dead in Christ shall what? Rise first. That's the dead. Verse 17, then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. You see how you got alive? You got a one, two there. You got a dead group and you got an alive group. Now the dead have to come from the third heaven. That's where they're at. They're in the presence of the Lord. And they have to have a resurrection just like the Lord Jesus Christ. They have to. Otherwise Romans 6 is not true. Okay, being buried with him in his death. I know that's identification, but it's also in the newness of his life. How was he resurrected from the dead? Dead had to do the same thing. You and I, now come over to 1 Corinthians 15, stick something in 1 Thessalonians 4. you got to think about this. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 51. By the way, as you're turning, the Apostle Paul thought this event would happen in his lifetime. Thus, he uses the pronoun we and they. As life goes on and time goes by, he realizes that it's not going to happen. So then he shifts up and says, well, when I leave, you need to know how to behave. And lays it out, okay? So don't think that this is something that you can figure out on a time clock or a calendar. It thought, Paul thought it was going to happen in his day. So, by the way, so did Peter and the, and the little flock. They didn't think it was going to go on for 2,000-plus years. They thought, they said, hey, God's visiting the Gentiles. we got to get ready because when he's done, we are, we're up. So, there, so the activity like that, you got 1 Corinthians 15 now, right? Okay. Verse 51, Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Not all sleep, dead, soft way of saying dead, okay? We're not, we're, not all of us are going to die, but we're all going to be what? Changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. Now, notice that, at the last trump. But notice the punctuation. There's a colon after that, isn't there? Did I look at that right? Yeah. So now we're going to, so we shall not, in the moment, we shall, uh, verse 51, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed, comma, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. So those of us that are alive, when, when do we go? At the last trump. Then, change of subject, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised. But what did 1 Thessalonians 4 tell us? Who's going up first? So we got one trump sound and two trump sound. Okay? All right, now let's think this through a little bit. Go back up to verse 45. And watch how this is consistent with how Paul has already talked about first and second and last and first in the in the context because what people like to say is that this trumpet is the seventh trumpet of the book of the revelation and when that last angel trumpet sounds then we're in so we go through the trib, and we go into this and we do this and yada 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 the problem is is when you study the last trumpet of revelation that bad boy doesn't stop blowing until the new heaven and the new earth and even then if you depending on how you read a couple three or four verses and how, where you put them, he actually blows on into the dispensation of the fullness of times, into the new, see? So this isn't because, what does he say in 51? Behold, I show you a what? A mystery. This is the trump of God. The angel is the one blowing the trumpet in Revelation, and if that's not enough for you, then we can talk about it at Q&A sometime, okay? <laughs> Obviously, who's blowing this one? The Lord himself. Now watch verse 45. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul, and the what? Last Adam was made a quickening spirit. You see how we got first and then last? Verse 47, the first man is of the earth, earthy, and the second man is the Lord from heaven. See how he just interchanged last and second? First, stayed consistent, and then he says, Last man. Who's, by the way, who's the last man? The Lord. Duh. Who's the last? Who's the second man? The Lord. Duh. This isn't brain surgery, it's a simplicity in Christ. You know who makes it brainiacs? It's us. We try to, it can't say that. No, it says that. So when he says, The last trump shall sound, what would that be? The second trump. The first trumpet pulls up the dead. The second trumpet brings us, as we're walking along life's narrow way, we're building into our inner man an edifice of sound doctrine. And all of a sudden, the Lord, the Lord there's a shout, there's a voice, there's a trump. Now, go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, because I spent a little more on that than I wanted to. But it, you have to understand the timing of this. Because after this event... We're going to have the 70th week of Daniel happen. We're going to have the second coming of the Lord. We're going to have the establishment of the millennial kingdom, the thousand years there, the intro. And then we're going to have the great white throne judgment. And then we're going to end into the new heaven and the new earth. And you know what? None of this is us. We're going to be here. This is us. This is our judgment seat is right here. Okay, verse 17. Verse 17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them. All right, who's the them? The dead in Christ. The ones back up in verse 13. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. How? In resurrection. So what are we going to do? We're going to all be caught up here, and we're going to meet the Lord, aren't we? So he's going to end up here. Get off of that. All right? Verse 17. 4.17. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. And I know everybody goes, oh, those are the angels. Eh, okay. I don't believe so, but I don't think they're not going to be there because this is going to be. By the way, who runs the second heaven? Who's the prince of the power of the air? You think he's going to be just, hey, yeah, come on in, guys. The permits are okay. Come on in. No, he's going to be fighting it every tooth and nail. You, you didn't dot an I and cross a T, guy. So if you want to say the clouds are angels, that's fine. I don't believe it. I believe it's a pavilion. but The Old Testament talks about the dark, swaddling clouds and pavilions holding back the glory of, of the Godhead. So as he comes in, earth can't see this. Now a shout, a voice, and a trump, a noisemakers, the heavens are going to rumble. But what's the unbeliever going to say? We've got the Martians from Mars here they come, aliens. And then all of a sudden there's a bunch of people missing and little plots of clothes laying everywhere. What's going to happen? Ooh, the body snatchers, the movie. It's real. There it is. And what has Hollywood done? Ginned that all up that anything coming from the sky is bad news. But they're not going to see. Who? The glory yet. It's not time for them. You you follow that? So you can say clouds, whatever you'd like. I tend to think it's more of a pavilion, a a, a curtain drawn there where it's not going to be seen. But what are we going to do? We're going to meet the Lord. There's a meeting. That's the judgment seat of Christ. The whole body, his whole body meets the Lord. We meet him where? In the air. We're in the second heaven, okay? Timing, end of the dispensation of grace. We don't know when that is. I know people have written books over the years and all that. Something here in 2022 was supposed to be the end of it. Okay, it didn't happen. We're still here, all right? The thing is, is what's happening when this day happens, all right? Now, what, just get a few other details. Look at chapter 3. So we meet the Lord. There's going to be a fire. We're going to go through the judgment seat. Chapter 3, verse 13. <clears throat> Watch the way this thing concludes out. Chapter 3, 13. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblamable in holiness before God, even our Father. Notice the goal. What's the goal for his body? To be blameless, holy, without spot, without blemish. Before who? Before God, even the Father. So the Godhead. Now watch. At the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. We've gone through. Jesus Christ takes us back through the door and presents us to the Father in the third heaven. He looks over and he says... Well done, my son. They looking good. Ephesians 5 over there talks about he's going to present the church to himself without spot and blemish and so forth. Now, chapter 2 of 1 Thessalonians, verse 19, 219. Watch Paul here. For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? By the way, notice crown, one, singular. Notice what it is, though. Are not even ye in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Notice how Paul says, you know what is my crown of rejoicing? You. Because what have you done? You trusted Calvary, right? He would have all the will of God. He would have all men be saved, and come to the knowledge of the truth. And you built an edifice in there, and you're here, and boy, that just thrills my heart. Thrills, my, and this is Paul speaking. So then, what, what, then what? Do, what are we looking for when we talk about crown and reward? We're looking at the moose thing with the guy, big antlers and Burger King crowns everywhere. No, what, but what, what does religion tell you? That's what you're doing. Paul never says any of that. He says, let's build an edifice, guys, because the day is going to declare, it's going to manifest, it's going to reveal our labor, our work. What have we been doing here? Now, let me, let me just. Paul tells Timothy to do the work of an evangelist. We're not not saying don't go evangelize and witness, but you're going to do it with the proper thinking about it, the proper motivation about it. See, religion says let's keep track, let's got a scorecard. Paul says no, you're going to go do it because it's burning inside of you to get out and do this. A little different. Somebody asked me one time many years ago, why don't we have a, soup kitchen type thing, and I said, well, we could, I guess. He was like, well, no, and it was a social justice type of guy, you know? And I'm like, dude, that comes from a byproduct of learning the doctrine, wanting to do that, not do that so that we, you know, well, that's what religion does. Puts the cart before the horse, really. Now, come to 1 Corinthians. uh, Well, actually, you're in 1 Thessalonians, right? Look over at 2 Thessalonians 2. So the timing uh, of the judgment seat of Christ is at the conclusion of the dispensation of grace. Some events are going to happen. By the way, they're happening in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Okay? If you're alive, you got 1 Thessalonians 2. Hold on here and run to Philippians 3. Just real quick, because this comes up. Philippians 3. In verse 21 Philippians 3:21 Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself You see that thing about change our vile body if you're dead you're corrupted away you're back to the dust okay but if you're walking what are you walking around in a vile body flesh so what's he going to do to that body he's going to change it and fashion it like his glorious body by the way you study his glorious body what could that body do walk through walls but it could do what leave earth and go to heaven third heaven well what do you need to do you need to go into the second heaven you got to have you got to have a new space suit on baby let's go okay but it won't be a space suit it'll be a new body my point is, is if we're walking along and the, and, the, and the Lord calls us home, go to 2 Thessalonians 2, you're, what's going to be left sitting where you're sitting is your clothes because what's he doing with this body? He's changing it. He's, it's going from vile to glorious. It's going from mortal to immortality. Okay? So you're, you're not, in other words, they're not going to come in here and go find a, Bunch of dead bodies laying all over like we all drank the Kool-Aid. Okay? It ain't going to be that at all. They're going to see, you know, the neighbors might open the doors and go, we haven't seen anybody moving lately. <laughs> you okay over there? <laughs> and then just see, okay, because the clothes aren't going anywhere. That's what belongs here. You follow that? So anyway, maybe that'll help. You work that out. 2 Thessalonians 2.1. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. What's he doing? Paul's beseeching, based on understanding that one day he's going to come, and by our, what? Gathering together unto him. That's what, we call this the rapture, you know, 1 Thessalonians 4, the rapture chapter, because it sounds good, but it's really our gathering together. Unto him. Ephesians 4, Paul refers, and Ephesians 1, of the day of Redemption of the purchased possession. There we are. OK? Now, 1 Corinthians four, let's get some more detail. OK? First Corinthians chapter four. So this is us, dispensation of grace, body of Christ. This is Israel and her prophetic program. By the way, there is a gap right here of time that nobody knows, understands. I mean, they all try to figure it out. But in the prophetic scripture, it's not there. Because within this time frame, there's some things that have to have war, and the city is destroyed, and a lot of stuff in Daniel 9, 10, and 11 that haven't happened yet have to happen. And when that happens, then – and by the way, in today's current technology, it could literally be just a couple months. I mean, if they're fighting wars – in two minutes you know every you, i remember when ukraine the war with russia and ukraine started and they're like oh this will be a month well it's been a little longer than that but what did they anticipate they anticipated russia being able to come in and crew and they didn't anticipate ukraine standing up to them which i'm glad they did my point is is technology today can lessen a lot of things um when gulf war one george bush senior started um For the first time in American history, military history, a war machine was up, deployed, and on the field in less than six months. Before that, it had taken longer. And they had it up and running in less than six months. And actually had liberated Kuwait and all that in in like six to seven months. So everybody's like, wow, that was fast. Well now what do they do? They, They sit in a little cubicle with a drone and they can do that. So technology has sped up a lot of this. So, don't, so remember that when you're trying to figure out when and where and what, okay? All right, everybody's got 1 Corinthians 4. Now watch verse number 5 because here's some more information. And I'll be honest with you, this in 1 Corinthians 4 is tremendous. It gives tremendous insight into all that is going on at his coming, Okay. and again, we're talking about us. We're not talk let's just finish the thought just real quick. He presents us to the Father. All right? All this is going on while he's presented. Do you guys remember that little thing about a war in heaven in the first three and a half years? okay? you remember that little thing, Revelation 12? Just a little thing, a little skirmish, okay? But do you know who, you remember who's there? Michael. And who else? The Lord. Who just came down into the universe? Michael. Who just came down into the universe? The Lord. But now he takes us home, delivers us to the Father, and then he comes back down in, and the war is on. And what's he doing? Cleaning out heaven, because where are we going to come? Roman Revelation 12, those that dwell in heaven. And then we're instituted into the heavenly places as this is carrying on out, the war, and then he finishes on out on his second coming, okay? Just to kind of connect the dots for you, all right? So don't think the voice of the archangel is just something trivial. He's now in the mix. He's established a beachhead in the, heavenly, in the heaven, the second universe out there, the second heaven. They're in. It's time to do what? Make war. Before you make war, you always call your ambassadors home. Who are we? His ambassadors. It's time to make war. All right? Now, 1 Corinthians 4, verse 1. Let a, let a man so account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. More of it is required in the stewards that a man be found faithful. But we, I'm sorry, but with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you, or of man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. Now, how many judgments did Paul just mention there? Three. He says, I'm not going to be judged of you Corinthians. I'm not going to be judged of man, world, And I can't even judge myself. Why? I'm not not able to do that. It's not my place to do that. Verse 4, for I know nothing by myself, yet am I not hereby justified, but but he that judges me is the Lord. Romans 14, verse 9, who has the right to judge you? Not the Corinthians, the local church, not the world, not even you. Who? The Lord does. See how that just added information here. Okay? Now watch verse 5. Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come. Now come back over to chapter 3, verse 13. Every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed. The the day, before this time, the Lord coming. So when we see the day, the time, when the Lord comes, he's talking about the judgment seat of Christ. That's what we're talking about. Now come over to to chapter 1 of 1 Corinthians and just see this issue here about the day, that day, the time, this time. We're talking about a designated period of time when the Lord comes And the judgment seat is a part of his coming for the church, the body of Christ. That's what we're doing here. That's what we're talking about. We're not talking about a general resurrection and a general judgment. We're talking about something very specific. Chapter 1, look at verse 7. So that ye come behind in no gift, waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ who shall also confirm you unto the end. All right, see the end? The end of what? Well, that ye may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's the judgment seat of Christ, his coming. It's his day. And I know what people say, oh, but wait a minute, Rick. What about revelation? What about revelation? You ain't in that. You're not there. By the way, it's the day of the Lord Jesus Christ, not the day of the Lord. That's the other thing there. Oh, the day of the Lord. No, it, that day of the Lord belongs to who? Israel and the earthly program. Where are the Corinthians going? They're going to heaven. They're in the heavenly places. See, they're part of the saints of the Most High. They're part of the church, the body of Christ. And I know what people do. They mix it They want to because they can't get over the fact that you and I are going to stand and appear before the Lord. Because they think it's a negative thing, it's a bad thing, rather than it being a moment of rejoicing, a crown of rejoicing. See. Verse 8, that you may be blameless in the day of the Lord. The day, a day. How many components of a day are there? Just one or several? Actually, there are several. Breakfast, noon. Lunch, dinner, supper, even. I mean, there's four watches in the day when the Lord, in the, you know. See, it's not just a single event, but rather it's, a, it's an extended period of time. So Paul's language, come over to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Paul's language, the day, this day, that day, the end, the time, the coming, He's talking about that timing of the conclusion of the dispensation of grace. And the judgment seat of Christ is a part of His coming. It's the meeting in the air. We're going to meet Him. It's on God's calendar that the day has been appointed when we're going to meet Him. Now, we don't know that day. He doesn't reveal it. He knows it. And He says, okay, it's time to have a meeting. Okay? We were supposed to have Varsity Termite Control come out last Thursday. They canceled, rescheduled. It's now on the 23rd, the the day before Thanksgiving. Why? Well, they had technician issues and blah, blah, blah. But what do we have? I have a meeting between 8 and noon. I mean, good, okay, you know. But what is it? It's on my calendar. The Godhead has a calendar. It's on the calendar, okay? And when it's time, he'll come and he'll do it. 2 Timothy 4. Now watch this carefully here. I charge thee, talking to Timothy, therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, who's writing this? The Holy Spirit. So you have the Godhead. So the charge is before the Godhead. And the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. What appearing? Disappearing. And, see the and? His kingdom. So, two comings, two judgments. Verse two. Preach the word. Timothy, I'm charging you that your ministry needs to help, it needs to aid. It needs to prepare the church, the body of Christ, for his appearing. So we need to preach the word. A clear message, clear sound doctrine, clear grace life, because the apostasy, that's going to happen, it's on board, it's happening. And Peter, verse 4 and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables but watch thou in all things endure afflictions do the work make full proof of your ministry why because this is your job is to prepare the weaker for the day which is what he's getting at in Romans 14 we'll get down in there okay Our job down here is to build this edifice of sound doctrine in our inner man. And when we come across someone who is weak in the faith, that's why I spent so much time talking about the faith. Not weak in faith, but weak in the faith. What are we doing? We're going to help them prepare for his appearing. Because at his appearing, what's a component of it? Judgment, a review of the inner man, that edifice a review of what's happening. And again, that's what we are to help one another, the edification process. So the judgment seat of Christ really isn't about you. Now, you do stand, you do give an account of yourself, but rather also, what did you do over here with them? So that building, remember in 1 Corinthians 3 when he says, be careful how every man build thereupon? So you're building on your own, you're letting it in, you're growing, but you're also letting in all the other stuff. But then you too turn over here and you build on somebody else's. So you've got to be careful. And that's what we're doing. Come back to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Again, Paul in Romans 14, we're to help the edification. We're not to be thinking about ourselves. We're not to be concerned with, with that. We're to be concerned with the other. Don't you do anything that's gonna cause, that's gonna cause harm or hurt, a stumbling block, destroy the edification process. Don't do that. And again, the only way you can do this is with a renewed mind. It's not it's thinking how God would think about this. Because what do we want to do? What's a, tell them what they've done wrong. You're not living up to my standard. See, It's very instructive here. By the way, it's very interesting as well that the first time the judgment seat is introduced is Romans 14, and it is in the context of body life. It's not in the context of you getting or gaining. It's in the context of the stronger and the weaker believer. And that's what Paul's doing. Don't think about the judgment seat of Christ as just your individual accountability before God. And again, it is. But there's more to it than just that. It's our interaction with other members as well. Their edification. That's why Paul would say, I want to be a helper of your joy. Why? For by faith ye stand. And that's the goal. Um, 1 Corinthians 4. You guys with me? I didn't lose you on that, did I? So when he talks here about the day, verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes. So we're talking about this event, judgment seat of Christ. Okay? Now watch something here. Uh, Additional information. Who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. And will make manifest the counsel of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. Notice the and. There's three things happening at his appearing, at his coming. Okay? And they're all good things, by the way. Hidden. I I know what happens. People read that word darkness and, oh, my goodness, no, darkness is not evil here. Evil has been answered at Calvary. So the darkness here isn't evil. If it is evil, then Calvary didn't do its job. The hidden things of darkness. The other night I was up here, and and it was about 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and the clouds rolled in for that storm. This room got dark. There's nothing evil in this room, because I'm here. (laughs) But it was what? It was dark. I turned the lights on, and the hidden things of darkness popped up. You know what I saw? Pews and all the stuff. So darkness here, again, context. If darkness here is evil, then Calvary didn't do its job. This is nothing evil here. There's some hidden things he's going to expose. So the first thing as uh, expose. He's going to expose some hidden things. He's going to expose, he's going to bring the light, the hidden things of darkness, and he's going to manifest the counsels of the hearts. And we're going to have Praise. Now, by the way, notice how that says that. And then shall every man have praise of God. It does not say then every man will praise God. No. the saying every man will what? Will have praise of God. That's completely different than you praising God. You've been praising God all along. This is not about you. It's about what he needs to get done. So the three things. Oh, five minutes to do three things. No, I'm just kidding. The hidden things. Let's, let's catch that here quickly in the five minutes that we've got. Come over to 1 Timothy chapter 6. The hidden things. And again, the darkness isn't evil in the context. It's hidden. So it's a reference of some things that are, that are in place right now, but that no one can see just yet. First, 1 Timothy 6. Look at verse 14. That thou keep this commandment without spot, unrebukable unto the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So where is that? Right here. When he comes back for us, right? Verse 15. Which in his times. Notice times plural. Okay. He shall what? Show. Manifest expose, declare, reveal who is the blessed and only potentate the king of king and lord of lords now let me ask you something is he the king of king and lord of lords only potentate yes but he's not manifested that way today is he that part of him is hidden that's what the verses say he's not showing this until when his appearing you see that is he, yes but the world knows him not that way. By the way, times. When else does he show to be king of king and lord of lords? And the only potentate, his second coming. Times. He's going to do this two times. He's literally going to reveal who he really is. When you talk to people today about who Christ is, they give you a bunch of different answers, don't they? But who is he? He is king of kings. Lord of lords, and only potentate. When is he going to show that? When is he going to put that? When is he going to bring the light, the hidden things? The day. This is the day when all that he is, his power and his authority to do and, the, and, and to accomplish is going to be on display. Right now, it's behind door number one in the third heaven. You follow that. See what's happening here? There are hidden things that are not yet, by the way, hidden. Where's the, by the way, can you see the third heaven? I keep saying by the way because it's just stuff. You know why? It's hidden. It's, it's It's behind the veil. It's dark. The hidden things of darkness. Not evil. Not bad. And when he shows himself to be who he really is, not right now, but out there in the future. Okay, come over to, oh, well, you're in Timothy, right? Let's go back there to 2 Timothy 2, or 2 Thessalonians 2, I'm sorry. Actually, make it just for time. Man, 1 Thessalonians 4. I told myself not to hurry, but I want you to, hur- I want you to see this. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 15, we have the coming of the Lord. Shall not prevent them which sleep, for the Lord himself shall what? Descend. He's what? He's revealing himself, isn't he? He has stepped out of the third heaven, Colossians 3. He stepped out of the third heaven, he stepped into the second heaven, and he is on display as what? The only potentate, king of king, and lord of lords. That's what we learned in Romans 14, verse 9. He's the judge. And he's revealed that way. The world doesn't see him that way. Hopefully you do, but the world doesn't. Look at Colossians 3. Colossians 3, verse 1. If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. So where is Christ? He's he's far above principalities, he's in the third heaven, he's sitting on the right hand of God. Set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. For, now watch, ye are dead, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When the world sees you, what do they see? Just another person, don't they? They don't see you, who you really are. Look at verse 4. When Christ, who is our life, shall appear. Well, when's he doing that? At his coming, then shall ye also appear with him in glory. Think about when you hide something, that word hide, you can keep a secret. The dispensation of grace was a secret. But it but and no one knew it. But did it exist? Yes. It was established before the foundation of the world. It was just kept secret and not revealed. So it was hid where? In God. Catch, you can hide money, can't you? You can hide money in a Swiss bank account. Does it exist? Yes, but nobody knows you have it. Well, the government does, but okay. But what did you do? You hid it there for safety and security, don't you? You have a you have a safety ah, safety deposit box. What do you put in there? Stuff you don't want everybody knowing you got. But you got it. It's real. So hid. And by the way. You can also hide things, verse 3, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. The real you, who you really are in Christ, is hid from the unbeliever. They can't see that. By the way, it's also hid from the adversary. He can't see it. We we talked about what the adversary missed in the new man and everything. So when you think about hiding, you're hid how, how long am I hid? Verse 4. Until he does what? Until he appears. And when he appears, Jesus Christ is revealed as who he is. We're talking about the hidden things of darkness here. He's revealed as what? The only potentate, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the judge. And then who you really are is revealed in Christ. Until then, all that's hid. But it's all what? It's all real. Do you guys catch that? It's real. So at his appearing, he's going to expose reality. Here's who I really am. You know who I am? I'm king of king, lord of lords, the only potentate. And here's who you are in Christ. That's why 2 Thessalonians 2.1, where we were just a minute ago, that and is in that Verse. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him. Because you're going to be there. Come over to Romans 8. You guys got, give me two minutes. We can get this one done and then we can pick up. Romans 8. I'd go all day with this, but you need a break and I need a break. When the Lord shall descend himself, he's going to make a declaration. He's going to expose reality, and the reality is of who he is and the reality of who the church, the body of Christ is. Do you realize, Romans 8, 18, For I reckon that the suffering times of this world, I'm, I'm sorry, suffering times of this present, earlier I had my G's before the V. Now I got it all mixed up. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Glory that what? Shall be revealed. There's Colossians 3. Now watch verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. That hasn't happened yet. That is a future event, manifestation. The Lord is going to show you off, Ephesians 2, 7 says. He's not doing this right now. He will at his appearing, at his coming. Come over to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians 1. And I'm going to take, well, we just need to be done, but you've got to catch this. 1 Corinthians 1. Look at verse 27. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty, and base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not to br-. See that things which are not, but yet what are we're really there in the world can't see. Do you know that the world doesn't realize your royalty? You're an adult son in the family of God. You're royalty, and I'm not talking about Queenie over there or Kingie. I'm t- you're royal. They don't understand. Keep reading. To bring to naught things that are, isn't that interesting? You're royalty, this, and you know what the second the judgment seat of Christ is going to do? It's going to expose that. It's going to reveal. It's going to make manifest. It's going to 2 Corinthians 4, 5, what's it going to do? It's going to bring the light, the hidden things of darkness, the things that are behind the veil that nobody can see, that the Lord Jesus Christ, He who he really is, is revealed. Lord of oh Lord, King of kings, only potentate. And then who you really are, which is royalty. Okay? Now, time's up. I took six minutes. We'll get... Manifest in praise next time, hopefully. Okay, but the judgments—a lot of little details. You know, everybody hones in on First Corinthians three. why't right, right, right. You know, and there's other things going on here. We haven't even got to the judgment seat yet. This is just His appearing, His coming. So there's a lot more going on. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for Your Word and the the interest in studying it and looking into these things and having them be resonant in our inner man and just. Able to cause the waiting for you to come a whole lot sweeter as the days go by. In your name we pray, amen. All right.